Hi, I'm Jelani Blake, and you're listening to Caesar Voices, a podcast series focused on bringing research closer to you. This series is brought to you by the Journal of Caribbean Environmental Sciences and Renewable Energy, or CESA, which is probably more familiar to most of you. Each episode, we'll hear from some of the leading Caribbean environmental experts who'll be helping us to better understand what's happening in our region. We'll be getting a summary from the people on the front lines, the heroes doing the heavy lifting in terms of searching for solutions to some of our most pressing environmental problems. If you'd like to give suggestions, have your research featured, or sponsor an episode of Caesar Voices, use the links in the accompanying description to learn more. Welcome back. Let's talk about the UN Sustainable Development Goals for a second. We need action from everyone, everywhere. 17 Sustainable Development Goals are our guide. They are a to-do list for people and planet and the blueprint for success. The SDGs are an agenda to balance human prosperity with protecting the planet. Imagine there's no countries. UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador Shakira asked global leaders to imagine a world where we achieve the goals by 2030. While fellow UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador Angelique Kijo underscored a focus on Africa and developing countries. But the universal agenda is important to all nations, as leaders from developed countries also pledged to make the goals a reality. The Sustainable Development Goals are definitely worth shooting for, but they're pretty tough targets, especially for small island developing states like the ones in our region. For us, hitting the mark requires a particularly coordinated approach. And in this episode, we want to talk about what is probably the most fundamental aspect of it. Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang outlined his climate change policy. The Trump administration began enforcing a new asylum policy today. The Caribbean Development Bank brought together 30 trade policy makers. Australia's policies were seen as extreme. Now they're being copied. That's right. Policy. Now as a term, we hear it quite a bit, especially in the media. But it's often misunderstood and overlooked, and we really can't stress enough how important it is. So we got in touch with someone far more qualified to do so. My work has looked at sort of almost every aspect of what we call the uh, policy cycle, including how we design policies, how we decide on the types of policy instruments that are applicable <laughs> for our situation, how we assess how policies work in, you know, in reality out there and how we evaluate um, where we need to go next in terms of improving on policy uh, decisions and policy positions. By now, I've done work that has covered most of, if not all of, the wider Caribbean region, um, as well as Central America and South America. So that's Dr. Kalim Shah, our policy expert. We called him recently to talk about policy in the Caribbean and his latest work on policy implementation. So a good place to start would probably be to ask, you know, what is policy? Policy is our statement of, of direction, right? As a country, as a region, on a particular topic, in a particular sector, uh, what have you. As you build your house, so to speak, you need to have that strong foundation. Otherwise, everything can topple down. 
Um, so I see policy as being that base foundation that we must have to set the stage for moving all of our strategies, our plans, our programs, our projects uh, forward. It's not just a document that some experts get together on, uh, the governments, the politicians stamp their approval and that is put on a shelf, right? Or, or it's taken out to take photographs with, all right? This is a living document that has to direct all of our actions. So small island developing states trying to achieve the sustainable development goals should clearly be paying close attention to policy. But is this happening in the Caribbean? Mm, yes and no. We do have... Um, policies that relate to uh, natural resource management or more environmental policy. Uh, we do have energy policy to a large extent now, right, in several of our SIDS countries. But they're seen as something that is calcified, right? Something, something that is it, it, it's, it, it's set out and then it's put on a shelf there, right? So it can be pointed to that we have this policy. Policy is supposed to give direction, but if it's seen like that in the system, then it has less of an impact. It dilutes our direction as we move forward with strategies and plans. Now, this is not to say that we don't have excellent examples of living, leading-edge, data-driven policy positions um, that are working for us, right? We do have excellent examples uh, in the region. Jamaica's energy policy is a perfect example of this, for example. I have just completed work on the national climate change policy, the first ever national climate change policy for Guyana. And this is all, this is all going to be very leading-edge stuff, models for the rest of the region and for SIDS generally. So we're paying some attention and we're definitely making progress. But there still seems to be a lot of confusion regarding the way policies are meant to function. A good majority of our policymakers fail to understand what is a policy versus what is a plan versus what is a strategy and where we get programs and projects and actions from. Sometimes you see um, a national strategy. What is the policy position that this strategy is setting out to operationalize? Now, immediately, when you see that there are not those linkages that are made, then it leads to confusion. Many times, strategies and plans in our SIDS countries mean one and the same. Sometimes there are issues around which one supersedes the other, and that is really the, one of the issues. We have to have some basic understanding of the hierarchical structure of our governance systems. So if you're like me, then right about now you're wondering, you know, what leads to a situation where policymakers don't get what policies do? Well, it seems to be a matter of approach. So the state of the art in the region more or less is sort of learning by experience. And a typical example of that that I would see is where we have uh, policymakers in our various ministries and agencies and so on, they become policymakers by way of sort of um, serving the community, being in the governance structure for, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 plus years, right? Public policy as a discipline has evolved to sort of a legitimate interdisciplinary sort of science. 
There's an art and a science to it, right? So what we need is that science part in the room. We actually need the sort of human resources and the expertise and so on that understands the leading edge literature, the leading edge approaches, tools to make good policy. Very recently, I've spoken to the Caribbean Development Bank um, and CARICOM about doing this. And I believe that they are starting to have some trainings for uh, many of our senior government folks to marry with the experience and the art of it that they have. Dr. Shah has been working pretty hard over the last maybe 15 years to help SIDS design stronger policies. But recently, he's been taking things even further by looking for ways to make policies work more efficiently. Several high-level um, government officials, even politicians, often tell me, they ask me what I do. And I say, you know, I, I do policy, right? And um, they say, oh, well, we have policies for this and that and the other and so on. But what we fall short on is implementation. So I've started to look a lot more at that, policy implementation. So my latest work looks at that. The two things I'm looking at are the kinds of policy instruments that are efficient and effective. And then do we have, are we structuring our institutions and our governance systems in ways that make the implementation more efficient and more effective? Policy instruments are basically the ways in which we operationalize policies, um, get them to actually influence behavior and produce observable results. So to operationalize your policy, we do that mostly traditionally through legislation. So we have our policy position, we legislate on that position. So we give it, we give it force, we give it meaning, and we make it implementable. We also operationalize policy, but you know, a little bit less so in the region, through market-based approaches. Market-based approaches would operationalize policy through things like incentives. So subsidies on more efficient LED and CFL light bulbs or something like that. We also have taxes, which are not a market-based instrument. So we tax bad behavior. And then lastly, we have uh, behavioral change, public awareness and knowledge building types of mechanisms. All of these you know, contribute to what we call the policy mix. And each one of these types of approaches has an entire literature on how these can be designed to fit context and and objectives and so on and so forth, right? So I am looking at that, um, at, at some very specific things within that realm of how we sort of we operationalize policy to implement better. If policy instruments are the tools, then the other side of Dr. Shah's latest research examines the forces required to make the best use of them. What are the structures that we have to move our policy objectives forward? Climate change is a good example. In terms of institutional design and structure to implement policy, where does the climate change um, portfolio mandate lie within your governance structure? For example, we have in some countries, in Suriname and in Guyana, where I was working recently, we have a climate change unit within government that operates directly under the president's office where it can get some teeth and so on, right? Now that may or may not work in those two countries, this is an example, right? The climate change portfolio might work better, let's say, in the Trinidad context, for example, under the Ministry of National Planning. 
Dr. Shah's work helps small island developing states take steady aim at SDGs through strong, flexible policies and effective implementation strategies. He's one of many individuals working hard to pave a path forward for our region as we negotiate the tough circumstances brought on by issues such as climate change. Now, we're trying to do our part here at CESA by broadening access to Caribbean environmental research and showcasing the efforts of persons like Dr. Shah. And it's your support that allows us to keep going and keep growing. So if you'd like to help us continue our mission, you can visit our website, caesarjournal.org donations to lend your financial support. Or join our monthly donor club on Patreon and gain access to exclusive content or even be featured in an episode of our podcast. Just click the links in the description. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Caesar Voices and feature your company or NGO, please click on our corporate link to learn more.